Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The wait is over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football's in effect. The NBA Finals are here. And the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might go to some of these games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything. From game spreads, totals, to teams, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. You are listening to the bird calls on the Armchair All American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the bird calls, and subscribe today. Pelicans fans, welcome to a special edition of The Bird Calls. Yes, you have the regulars, myself, our editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell, and Kevin Berrios. But today, a very special guest, our moderator of a discussion, the one, the only, from WDSU, Mr. Sharif Ashaka. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Grub, for that amazing introduction Hopefully I can, you know, be a, a good guest host here. Maybe I can do this like a few times in my future. I mean, I'm good at hosting things. I'm not really good at talking about like, you know, who should somebody hire? Who should somebody sign? I'm just like there to, I'm here for comedy relief. So I'm just trying to keep the peace. I'm trying to keep the peace between you and Ollie today. That's the only thing I'm doing here today. And maybe start a little bit of a fire. I don't know. Maybe make y'all mad at each other about coaching and and. And uh, who's going to win the finals or whatever y'all want to y'all want to get mad about? I, I'm I'm here for that. I do that to Jim Moore, so I could do it to you guys. I'm easy to provoke. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's perfect because it, we David Grubb and I rarely ever disagree on stuff. But boy, Doc Rivers, we seem to be on opposite sides. So yes, yeah, Sharif, we do need you here today. Even though Kevin could probably handle it, we we need that Jim Moore vibe. I, I like that. <laughs> All right. So is this where we're starting? We're starting with like. I guess in the honor of uh, or the namesake of a, a presidential face-off or debate, we are here debating uh, the head coaching vacancy for the Pelicans, and this is what we're going to start with. Doc Rivers, who do I go to first? Who I think is going to get fired up first? Grub. It's I'll easy. see the grub. Oh, okay. Grub, <laughs> go first, Grub. Why? Why not? Okay, why or why not? I know. I know you're not in favor of Doc Rivers to the Pelicans. Tell me, I am not. Why not? If you want to go positive and negative, you just give me everything you got here. Unload. Okay. All right. Let's let's start with this. Doc Rivers has been a head coach 20 years, and that's 21 seasons, and that's 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 fine. Um, but I think that over the course of those 20 years, what we've seen is a lot of ups and downs. We've seen uh, Orlando ended very badly. Tracy McGrady. Um, never got out of the first round. That was the first time he blew a 3-1 lead in Orlando. Didn't really do a good job in the draft uh, while he was there. You get to Boston, two years under 30 wins, about to be fired. Then you pull off what had been a 
a deal well coordinated between Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale, two former teammates that delivers Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, saves the franchise. Now all of a sudden you've paired up three Hall of Famers along with Rajon Rondo in his second year, win a title the first year. Everything's fantastic. Then all of a sudden they become trapped in this cycle with Detroit, with Cleveland, with Orlando, had a number of second round exits, a number of first, they had a couple of first round exits with that same foundation. Yes, Kevin Garnett's knee deteriorated at, at a certain point, but they were no longer the same team going forward. Move on to the Clippers. He's given a gift in Chris Paul. Again, you get the point guard of his generation. You have Blake Griffin, who he did not have to draft. He was not the the head the uh, uh, um, general manager then. He gets Blake Griffin. He gets DeAndre Jordan. All those pieces are his when he walks in the door. You put in after that, the Clippers never get to a conference finals. You see problems, two more 3-1 leads that get blown. We see him struggle to make adjustments in series, whether it was against the Spurs, whether it was against the Rockets, whether no matter where those teams came up, when they had leads and they had opportunities to close out series. And Phil Jackson started this, the narrative a long time ago that the one thing you can count on on Doc Rivers is that his team will blow fourth quarter leads. Now, over the course of the years with the Clippers, he's an above 500 coach that does very well in, in clutch games. But they play a lot of them. And that was my problem with the Pelicans two years ago, three years ago, excuse me, when they made the playoffs. Too many close games. Good teams don't play a ton of close games. You can only carry that for so long. And what we see in the postseason is that the Clippers struggle in, po- in close games, especially closeout games. Now you get to this point and people talk about, well, are the Pelicans too good for Doc Rivers? Who do they think they are? It's not about being too good. It's about creating something that is uniquely belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans, a culture that belongs to the New Orleans Pelicans, and that will be consistent going forward. Doc Rivers feels like, to me, a hire that would be a bridge to another coach, that you're trying to do a setup for a setup. This is a franchise that has to win reasonably, a a, a reasonable amount of games immediately this season, and has to be ready for two years down the road. You still have, and uh, you still have a what is basically under the gun for everybody involved in this. David Griffin, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball—all these people are under the gun for, uh, based on the decision of the next coach of this franchise. And lastly, the the stuff about him—well, not lastly, it's two two other. This last, this next to last. Number one, his record in drafting and and developing young players, spotty at best. He drafted in 2013 as executive as the Clippers. He drafts Reggie Bullock when he could have had uh, Roberson or Rudy Gobert. In 2014, he takes C.J. Wilcox ahead of Kyle Anderson, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic, Dwight Powell, Jordan Clarkson. Then he drafts Bryce Johnson in the first round, who turned into nothing. Check Diallo, who is a fringe player at this point. He got the Miles Bridges pick good. Miles Bridges is a solid player, but he had to trade him. He hasn't, he hasn't developed players. I think Doc is a good coach. He's a very good coach. But do I think that he fits the needs of this franchise? I don't. And you saw that over the years. The Clippers even stated that this was not, that there's reports coming out, the Athletic did a story today, this was not about this year. This was the accumulation of a number of failures over the course of the years with Doc. And you saw things boil over with the treatment, people talking about the way it was not similar treatment in the bubble for Paul George or for this guy, this internal tension. 
The Pelicans cannot have that with these young guys. These are guys who have come from unstable environments. They need consistency. They need to establish an order. And I think Doc Rivers is at the point in his career where he is a veterans coach. This team is a hybrid team. And I don't think going towards another veteran coach who has is set in his ways and may not be as flexible and is not known for his in-game adjustments, I, I think that there are better choices on the market. Grub, you went very Fletcher-esque with the long answer there, and it's all good. All right. I'm Oh, no, it's all right. I'm just a host, man. And I'm going to get to Ali in a second. But you mentioned his his career record, 943, 681. He's only had one losing season. I think what I'm looking at would be his first year in Boston. They went two years in Boston, actually. 33 and 49, 24 and 58. Every other year has been 500 or better. Orlando, he got fired in that 03, 04 season. They went one and 10. He's been to the playoffs, what, 17 times, if I'm correct, in his career? Seven first-round exits, though. Yeah. Out of those 17. It's like the Falcons, man. A lot of blown, you know, blown leads there in, in the playoffs or in games. Ali, I know he's not your first choice, but I think you're about to make a pitch on why he should right. be the Pelicans' choice. So, so you go ahead, you go off, you tell me why he should be the Pelicans' head coach, even though he's not your first choice. Well, I think it's real simple. We've been following this team ever since it moved to New Orleans, and I feel like there's one thing it's always been missing. Right. We've only had six coaches, so it's, it's a young franchise. So it's hard to compare really to a lot of others. But let's face it. I don't recall ever having a head coach who is a legitimate culture builder, a leader of men. You know, Monty Williams kind of was that guy, but he didn't get he didn't reach out to every guy. You know, if you look back at his individual relationships with some of the players like Eric, Eric you need some every single guy. And I just feel like Doc Rivers is that person. If you see, and before Doc got fired, you got to think Doc was top five for me in an ability to reach players. And it's not just me saying this. Other coaches have said it. Jared Dudley, I think he's my favorite example. It's he, he didn't really get along with Doc. Doc and he had a kind of a rocky relationship in his single year in uh, L.A. because Jared was kind of hurting. He had a problem with a knee or something like that. And Doc basically asked him to play through it. Because they had other injuries at the So that kind of, you know, always kind of left a bad taste in Jared's mouth. But you know what he said? He said, I've never played for a coach who runs the wall like Doc Rivers, right? And I feel like that is so vital. What was the biggest problem most of the times? I know you can point to the defense or some other strategies, but effort. I want to see game-to-game effort. I want to see a guy who is one of the best in pregame he knows he's got to push some buttons. He can do it and get the best out of his players. And, you know, he's been around the, what, 20, 21 seasons now. You can't just dismiss those 17 years he's made. the. He's doing enough things right to where you've got to go deeper than just saying those exits. Why did, why did those exits happen? Look, let's just talk about this season. It's real simple. That team failed. Doc Rivers left because he wanted to make some changes to to this existing roster, but Ballmer thinks they're championship caliber. But really, where's the proof in that? Middle of the season, Montrez Harrell basically after, what was it? I think they lost like four or five games. The Clippers were really an average team. And he came out to the media and he basically said, look, things aren't going well here. There are problems. There's star treatment going on, et cetera, et cetera. So that team has chemistry issues. We saw it again. I feel like it cropped up in the playoffs, right? You turn to your best players when it's time to win. Where was Kawhi Leonard? Where was especially Paul Williams? 
actually in six-man candidate. He was, what, 10 and 7, 10 points, 7 game. Doc leaned on the guys that got him there, and three of the four really, to me, failed. You want to go back in years previously, the, the runs as David, as you mentioned, with uh, Chris Hall and, uh, and Jordan, of course, Blake Griffin, they didn't have a legitimate closer. They were very shorthand in terms of having a legitimate bench. There's a lot of things you can look at to where, why they fail. Um, and I'll be honest with you. When you look at what these players have done outside of Doc Rivers, to basically pointing at Doc Rivers as being a failure there. Now, granted, those 3-1 <laughs> series losses, always he got three of them, right, in the playoffs, and there's only been a total of 13, that's a big problem. But when you look at the overall resume, you've got to think that Doc, his ability to reach players, and I think that's important for a young Pelicans team that I feel like is ready to win now. If you want to grab Zion's attention, Brandon Ingram, Cusp of being, you know, in the top 10, 20 in the league for the next five to 10 years. Look at B.I.'s all-star appearance in the Zion's incredible rookie season where he was just consistently putting up numbers. They're there. So you kind of want a guy that's going to basically, when he comes in day one into that locker room, that can command their attention, command their respect. And I feel like there's very few that can do that outside of Doc Rivers. With that being said, Ali, Grubb, you made a good point. Developing players, I keep, keep hearing the word developing players. Can he grab the attention of 23-year-old and younger players? Zion, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. They got a lot of young players on his team. He's coached a lot of veteran players and throughout his career. As Grubb said, can, can he make this work? Is this a splash hire? Do you necessarily need a big name? Do you need someone who's, you know, who's had a, a better road to success when it comes to developing younger talent? Because he's a 58-year-old coach, and he's had – a lot of good talent throughout his career. You said it. He's had the Garnets. He's had the Allen. He's had the Pierce. He's had Kawhi. You can't win with Kawhi, Paul George. When you're up 3-1, that's a problem to me. And, and some of it's on the players. But can he step right in, David? I'll, you can answer in a second. Can well, he like step Kevin, right in and develop those guys? Oh, Kevin. Sorry, yeah, Kevin. Well, like I'm Kevin, jump on this one first. Yeah. Kevin, you go on this first. Can he? Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> What'd you say, Kevin? Uh, I didn't say anything. I think Sharif is muted or something. Yeah, he, we passed it to you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You take this one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, I sort of fall in between Grubb and Ali on this. Uh, I, I see both sides. Um, he's definitely, yeah, I would say he's not in my top five, uh, but I wouldn't be mad if the Pelicans hired him. I would understand it. I would understand it more than somebody like D Mike D'Antoni. I think hiring Doc Rivers has a shelf life. Um I agree with Ali on how he reaches players, but I think there's guys like David Vanterpool who would be more of a long-term uh, possible road with the team kind of guy that would reach those players. You see his ex-players. He preys on them nonstop, constantly. Dame Lillard loves him. Uh, CJ McCollum loves him. Uh, Pat Connaughton talks about him all the time. Tim Frazier talks about him all the time. So I would look more at somebody like that. But when you look at Doc Rivers and, you, and you're right about – the stars that he's had. But I look back at the season last year when he had a team that was a very mixed team, a Thank team that changed a lot. And you had guys like SGA on that team. You had Shamit. Um, and then you had guys like Gallinari um, for part of the time. You didn't have like these real star guys, but you had a nice collection of guys that were borderline all-stars and young guys that were developing in the league. And I thought they had a great year last year. 
And I think that's something that Doc Rivers could bring to this team now. But like I said, I think that there's a window when you hire a guy like Doc Rivers because I, he's sort of would be like the Doug Collins. You know, you could have him for a while. He develops those guys. He builds the chemistry. So guys buy in because he has name brand. Um, he's been places. Players know him. He's an ex-player, all that stuff. Um, he's a, you know, he's considered a leader uh, in the NBA in terms of um, not just on the basketball court, but when it comes to like social issues and things like that. So he's a guy that garners a lot of respect. And I think he would be a fine caretaker, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be here for seven or eight years. Um, whereas, and there's no guarantee if you hire a guy like David Vanderpool or any of these other assistants that we talk about all the time, that they're going to be that guy um, that can do that. But when you look at Doc Rivers, I know he's not that guy. So you're going to get a few good years out of him, but you're not going to get to the, to the peak that you could get with a, with another coach possibly. Um, so that's where I follow, but I think he can develop young guys and he can develop chemistry with those young guys. Cause we saw what that team did last year. I really, can you guys hear me now? I'm really worried that yeah. that, that thing that what you said, both Kevin and, and, and grub that he's not, you know, the long term coach, if he's only here four or five years, you know, what if that doesn't work out? You know, we're right back where we were with Gentry. I mean, we're going to be talking about this for, you know, a couple years. Hey, it's not working out. Who's going to be the coach? And, and I don't think it's it would not not work out. I think he'd probably do a solid job. And I understand his team wants to be a con- consistently in the playoffs and they like co- to contend because their pieces are so young. But can they, with Coach Rivers, be consistent I, I do think in the playoffs? That- you know, yes, can they be a con- can they be a contender year in and year out with this roster with him with him trying to develop some of the younger players and making that push in the playoffs? That's where my concern lies. Can he do it with this roster? I think he's better Rubbish than is that No, why? I say no because look who he's his team has been driven by outstanding guards. He had Chris Paul, who is one of the most dominant players to lead a team it's his personality shaped the Clippers and then when Chris Paul was gone you know now then it was shaped by Kawhi Leonard you had people who were veterans Rajon Rondo Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce and then last year people would talk about last year that was still a veteran team those are people who knew their assignments these were guys who had been to the postseason before Danilo Gallinari had been to a conference finals in Denver the guys who had been you know this is not it wasn't a bunch of scrubs that they had in Oklahoma City and I mean we, we you got to give I mean in uh, the Clippers and we wouldn't give the same level of that it just because they performed slightly better than people anticipated I'm sorry to me that just doesn't justify paying what it would cost eight million dollars you're gonna bring probably seven eight million dollars bring him in you can have a guy whose personality in and of itself in a building with already giant personalities and David Griffin and, and Zion Webbs, all these things, you're going to put him in the midst of that. And Doc Rivers, I, I'm telling you this, that this is part of the thing in L.A. because I talked to a friend of mine who covers the Clippers and the Lakers, and he was telling me that, the front, that there was some tension in the front office between Ballmer and um, Doc. And I think people at times think that Doc puts it on Doc. Doc likes being famous, too. And I don't think that's what this team needs at this point. You can find somebody who can replicate everything Doc Rivers has. 
everything that he has, other than you saying, well, he walks in with gravitas. What does that mean? That is, an int- that is something that does not transfer from place to place. We have seen great coaches go to other environments and be horrible losers. That doesn't Joe mean Jackson. that they forgot how to coach. It just yeah. means that it wasn't the right place for them. It doesn't transfer all the time. Everything has to be right. Any of these coaches are guesses. Like Kevin said, they're, any one of them could fail. But I would rather take it on an opportunity on somebody who's going to create my culture, but not bring in their culture and make this the Doc Rivers Pelicans. No, I want the New Orleans Pelicans. Something that's going to last beyond Doc Rivers and his personality. Something sustainable, something great. And that does not happen when you make the coach the centerpiece. All right. I'm going to disagree with you there, David. Look, what the Nick Nurse do in Los Angeles incredible, right? Donald Sterling's the owner. We know what kind of half-ass organization that was. From ownership on down, Doc talked about how when he got there, they were not spending money on having a big front office, on spending on the trainers, you name it, right? They, they were whatever they talked about basically happened in New Orleans. It was happening in Los What are you trying to say? You're, you're, he was an awful executive, buses? though. He was an awful executive. He I don't care about him as an executive. You, this is the second time you're bringing it up, but he's not coming. But you're saying, you're talking coach, about the David? Clippers front office, and he was a part of that problem. You're saying the Clippers had a bad front office. David, I'm talking about when he entered. I'm, I'm still talking he didn't about make when he it entered better. over there. But look how they, they made it to the playoffs six out of the seven seasons. He was there, right? From day one, he walked in, Right. It boils down to me simply, can he coach and can he lead men? And I think both of those check marks are checked. And he showed that example last season, but the year before, remember they went 42 and 40. CP3 was gone. Blake Griffin they had for, what was it, half of the season? I can't remember before they traded him to Detroit. Everybody expected the way disappear. They didn't do that. They played until the final week. They still had a chance to get into the playoffs. That's an excellent coaching job. He follows it up with, and I know they had good players. You mentioned it. But Gallinari's no super. A tough Western Conference to go 48, to grab 48 wins, that's an incredible job to me. I think people around the league will say that, David. It's not just something that's pulled out of thin air. And then you've got to think, how important is it nowadays when players have all this power? They're walking around. They know this power, especially the stars. How hard is it to keep a locker room together? I think it's an incredibly tough job. I think that's one of the biggest keys that a coach has on their plate. And I think there's fewer that can do a better job than Doc Rivers in handling that. With that being said, Kevin, he's been out of the first round in eight seasons that he's made to the playoffs. Would that be good enough for the Pelicans if they were getting into the playoffs, let's say five out of the six next seasons if he was a head coach and they had first-round exits? Is that good enough for the Pelicans under Doc Rivers? It's, uh, I think right now with the roster and the assets that they have, the future assets of draft picks and some of the young players they have now that they can turn into bigger pieces, I would say no. Um, I think you want to be always – like my goal as a small market team is to be what the players are, a team that's always in the playoffs and every few years they they get to a second, sometimes third, sometimes fourth round. Um depending on how, how things luck out. You know, in a small market, you have those limitations of not being able to attract the free agent. Um, you have less money. You have less support. Things factor into 
making it very difficult to be a team that is consistently um, competing for a championship. Um, the fact that we have Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson changes that a little bit because you already have an all-star wing, which is one of the hardest things to find. And then you have this guy that looks like he can be a, a transcendental talent that could possibly change the way the game is played if he can stay healthy and stay in shape um, because he's so dominant in the paint. And, you know, <clears throat> we're going to start to see more of a shift to inside play, I believe, because we have all these big men that are getting drafted early and that have multiple skills and there's like no matchup for them for a lot of teams. Um, so I, I think you have that, that dynamic, those two guys to build around. I think a first round exit every year for the next five years is not good enough for what you're starting with and with all the ammo you have in the chamber. Um, I'd say for the first three years, sure, as you develop, but by that fourth year, you definitely need to be in round two or round three. Now, with that being said, if Doc doesn't become the head coach, I'm going to throw out another name. We're each, I'm going to let each one of y'all, yep, I'm, just because I'm going to let each one of y'all discuss this next name. I don't know if you're going to like it or not, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this one. He's sitting on the Lakers bench right now, Jason Kidd. And I, I, I'm getting, Grubb is always no. the first one shaking his head. There's a <laughs> lot of reasons. People don't don't want him as the head coach. Grub. Like, like again, I'm thinking about the dynamics within the building too. And I've never seen the best thing that Jason Kidd gets credit for as a head coach is deciding to give Giannis minutes at the point and and allow him to become a ball handler. Outside of that, he didn't make the Bucks better. He didn't make the Nets better. In fact, he tore those franchises apart by doing power struggles internally and trying to, to, to go behind people's backs is the same reason I wouldn't want to Mark Jackson in my building either is because those are the kinds of people who tear down franchises. And again, the Pelicans front office is not bereft of egos, man. It's not bereft of egos. You got some very serious egos in that thing. And everybody's reputation is on the line here. And when, if things were to go bad, it, it's right for finger pointing. You bring in a Jason kid. If things started off slow, I, I would imagine that that would all of a sudden the Pelicans become one of those franchises where you get to start getting anonymous voices out of the locker room. You start getting complaints about this, complaints about that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to touch people and say that they've, you know, like I, I tweeted this last night. We, 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 have, we don't have a lot of black coaches, but we don't have to keep bringing back the same ones. And we saw what Jason Kidd was over two stops. If he wants to earn his way back, Hey, fine, but there are better options. I just think guys who are more deserving, guys who have just as much tactical skill, guys who can do all the things that he can do, who have proven themselves as head coaches on other levels or as top assistants. And I think that you you can – I I don't want – my opinion is I just don't want anybody who's going to come in and view themselves as bigger than the franchise. Ali and Kevin, we'll let you go quickly or as long as you want on, on the possibility of Jason Kidd. Ali, you go first and then – Kevin, you follow up after Ali and give me what you think about the possibility of him being the coach or if you don't want to see him as a head coach. My whole thing, and I agree with David 100% here, you don't want coaches with baggage. This is a young franchise that needs a lot of molding. And the last thing you want to do is bring in somebody with tumultuous histories like a kid, like a Mark Jackson. And I don't even need to go down a list, but with Jason Kidd, it started back when he was in college with California. And his dad supposedly had a little bit, little beef there talking about there was too much um, pressure being placed on his son. And so he wanted somebody out. 
And same thing then happened when as soon as Jason Kidd hit the NBA, he got into with Jim Jackson in Dallas. He's like, it's either myself or Jim Jackson. Who you keeping? Otherwise, I'm gone. And then same thing happened in New Jersey when he played with the Nets. He had some famous migraine game to where he just sat out because there was something not going according to plan. Of course, you know about what happened as a coach. He wanted to get grab more power in New Jersey. And then, of course, in Milwaukee, he's undermining Larry Drew, who was a coach at the time, to get the position. So at every stop, he's done something to undermine somebody or somehow exerted his um, effort, pressure, whatever you want to call it, in somehow screwing up somebody else. So you can't bring in a guy like that. And even Fletcher, his tweet today, it, it makes me laugh. What did he say? He said that his NBA sword that I think Jason Kidd has probably changed his ways. Probably? You're not jumping on probably. This this business, you don't have time to see whether or not he has changed his way. So, no, there's so many good candidates out there. And these guys are always thrown out there, it seems like, for every job. And there's a reason for it. Because they can't legitimately get a shot somewhere else. you got to go look somewhere else. I just I don't think David Griffin's honestly going to look their way. So, Griffin, Mark Jackson, guys, cross them off your list. Not happening. Kevin, do you think the reason why they're looking at Jason Kidd is because the past that David Griffin has – uh, the relationship he has with him in the past with the Phoenix Suns. The only reason why you're hearing honestly, his name. I honestly don't believe that they're looking at him. I have no, I mean, if you listen to what David Griffin says about the kind of locker room, the kind of organization he wants to, to put together, Jason Kidd does not fit into any of that because, you know, all of the reasons Ollie said, all the reasons David said, then there's off court stuff, you know, there's like, uh, things with his wife that I won't go into, but you know, there's a lot of issues that he's had and baggage that he brings in. And then what Grubb says is very true is that, you know, look, we see David Griffin in promos almost equally as much as we see Zion Williamson. Like he wants to be in front of the camera. He wants to be that guy that we associate the Pelicans with. And then you bring in a guy like Jason Kidd, who's going to want the same thing. Uh, then that's going to, I don't think that's a good working relationship. And, like we said, there's a bunch of other guys out there that I think are, are better in terms of the personality, the culture that we want to bring in, and in terms of X's and O's, guys who have served in lots of positions before and are assistants now. They haven't got the head coaching chance, but they've been scouts. They've been video guys. They've been assistant coaches. They've been front office guys, um, guys who have played overseas, guys who've played um, in the NBA that bring all this vast amount of experience to a team that can build and be adaptable. And I don't want a guy that's, you know, playing little finger behind the scenes, like trying to sabotage everybody. Let's let him spend a few years with the Lakers and see if we don't see all these games that we've seen throughout his career first, before we worry about trying to get him another head coaching job when they have all these other guys that have been sitting on the bench and doing their work and, and fostering, uh, a, a nice resume without all the games and all, all the backstabbing before, you know, before we give this guy another chance. And, and it, uh, it, let me yep. just add this real quick. Like, you know, when people, you know, talk about, you know, taking a chance on a new coach or, or bringing back a coach who has experience, you know, one of the things I always think about is what do the Pelicans need more than anything? We talk about discipline and structure. And again, if I'm going, I, I, I wouldn't say Jason Kidd is known for discipline and structure. And I would even say for Doc Rivers, not that he's an undisciplined coach, I would say when you have veterans who are able to drive themselves, self-motivated, and he's had a lot of self-motivated players, like a Montrezl Harrell came in with a motor. You never, you weren't worried about his motor. 
You know what I mean? He had, so when you have those kinds of players and what we know about the Pelicans is internally, is there fire something you have? Is there structure? We always talk about, did Alvin put enough structure? Was there enough personal accountability? When you have veterans, they can be accountable to themselves and deal with those issues within a locker room. I think you want somebody who's going to come in and create that accountability, force that accountability, and make those guys engage with each other rather than have, I mean, really, a now a, you're talking about 20 years essentially of his career, I mean, 16 years of his career where he's had veteran-driven teams. And I think this team is still, even with the veterans it has, is a youth-driven team, and it's going to need somebody who's going to put that, understand this is how to be a professional and not be able to rely on guys in the locker room to, to be, he doesn't have those soldiers for him in that locker room. Ali, did the Pelicans need a coach that's, you know, that's a nice guy or do they need someone who's tough? I know it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a very young roster. Do they need somebody who is going to be tough and on them even at practice throughout the game or do they need somebody who's chill? I mean, someone who could just say, Hey, you messed up. Let's, let's just move the ball forward. I, in my opinion, I think they need someone who's tough. They've got to have someone who can really get into them at practice 24-7. they got to get someone who can just develop them as well and get them going because I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, cool, it's nice to be a nice person, but I don't want my, a nice person to be, you know, my head coach to be a super nice person. I want someone who can build that championship culture, as Grubb has said many of times. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you, Sharif. Look, young guys, they need leadership. They need to be shown ways how to do things right, how to do things wrong, to be corrected when necessary. And that's the that was always the biggest gripe with Alvin, right? He's a guy that's a player's coach, first and foremost. He'll laugh with you. He'll tell stories. And he'll kind of then try and push you to the right way. But he's not going to do it through, like, anger, through through a lot of discipline. And I feel like that's what's actually mandatory. And we saw all the examples last year, right? We saw all the mistakes still being made by certain players, 20 games in, 40 games in. Players inconceivably missing certain defensive rotations or not giving effort. That's where you need a coach to come down hard and hold those players accountable. So absolutely. You can only have those type of coaches, I feel like, with the veteran squads. I mean, let's face it. Those guys that know their jobs and will carry it out, then you don't need to be you know, basically on their, on their butts the whole time, but this team, they do, unfortunately. So, but there's, there's a lot of good choices out there. I think we should list maybe some people that we really do like, I know yeah. you just said Jason Kitchery, but we, we should explore some of their names because let's face it. I think they're in a strong run for it. We're going to get Anybody there, want? Ollie. Calm down, man. Okay. Calm okay. down. We're going to get to the list. I'm just building up to it. This is a TV thing for me. <laughs> TV podcast thing for you. I'm building up to it. Kevin, we talk about, you know, I, I tweet a lot about, hey, I wish the Pelicans had a Patrick Beverly, somebody who's like a dog, somebody who's tough, rough. Mm-hmm. And this is a big reason why I bring up that I think the Pelicans need someone who is a tough head coach. A lot of the guys are quiet. They're nice guys. I want that mm, coach. I want that coach who's going to get that out of them, bring that, you know, the intensity out of a player. There might be a guy on that roster who is that, you know, that Patrick Beverly, I keep bringing up his name because I like guys who are like going to be in LeBron's face, going to be in a star player's face and not letting him do what they want to do. Although it's pretty hard to stop LeBron, no matter who you are. But that's why I keep bringing up, give me a tough coach. Give me someone who can get the, get that out of the players. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that to some extent. I mean, our, our good friend, Chris Connor, he always says the Pelicans need an asshole. And I think you need more of that from the player side. Um, 
I think coaching sometimes that doesn't work. You need to find some sort of balance. You need to be sort of like, you need to obviously earn respect and you need to be stern and have clear goals that you want set and accomplished. I mean, if you look at Eric Spolster, do you think he's an asshole? I wouldn't say he's an asshole, but, but he's I a think he's very tough. good coach. He, yeah, he's tough. He's tough without being an asshole. And I think you need the asshole in 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 uniform. I don't think you need the asshole in the suit. You know, like you need that Marcus Smart, that Patrick Beverly, like you said, on the court. And you need a guy who's who's a very serious person who can joke, but like a guy that can relate to guys, but a guy that they respect and a guy who, when he gets on you, you're going to understand that he's not just being a jerk, that he's there to really make you better at what you're doing. And there's like a balance there, I think. I mean, you know, I don't think, I mean, look, you look at what happened in Chicago with Jim Boyle and you don't want a coach like that. You want to, you want a guy that's more of a teacher like Spo or, or like, you know, Vanderpool is my favorite guy. So I'm saying him, you know, he's a guy that he'll get on you. He'll talk to you, but he also earns your respect and he also helps shape you as a person. Um, So I think that's really what this team needs. And I think more than anything, they need a coach that, dictates communication a guy that demands that communication on the court in the locker room and on the sidelines you want like he has uh he made Damian Lillard say 10 things to his teammates before he crossed the half court line to build that that communication into his repertoire you want that to be a focal point of this team because we don't have talkers and I think you have some young guys that have big personalities that if you have a coach like that that can groom them to be that leader that's very important. Like you put a guy with, like Vanderpool with Zion Williamson because Zion has that personality. He has the physical tools to be a guy that everybody respects because of his play, but you groom him to be that leader, the guy that's going to communicate, um, then you're on to something. And I, I think that's really the route that they should go. I don't think you necessarily need to hire a guy just because he yells and screams and getting people's asses. You want Quite a guy that's yeah, that's serious. You bring that's up Eric Spolstra. Why are you doing that, man? Everybody knows I love Eric Spolstra. Go ahead, Rob. He's a great coach. I mean, yeah, whether it's – look at the coaches who made it to, you know, the deep runs in the playoffs. Nick Nurse is, is a, I would say, a tough coach, but he's not, a, you know, somebody that drives players away. But he holds his team accountable. He's And, and you can see that they understand on a day-to-day basis what their roles are. You talk about uh, Mike Malone. Mike Malone is a tough coach. I mean, like Great that, that and, and is doing a fantastic job with Spolstra. You know, I mean, we we will always downplay Vogel. You, you kind of have to because we always assume LeBron is the default head coach in these situations, and that Vogel is his job is to make sure everybody else is cool and that LeBron is happy. But even Vogel was known in Indiana for his discipline. The coaches that we are talking about that are really that we're interested in, whether it's a Jerry Stackhouse. We're talking about discipline, physicality, toughness, mentally, you know, like the Vanderpools, like the, the even, you know, David Fisdale, somebody I like as well, that mental toughness that they're trying to bring to the thing. And none of those guys would be seen as jerks, but they would all be seen as accountable with their players and willing to hold, most importantly, the stars to the same standard that they hold the guy at the end of the bench. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Look, there's no need to be coy about it. You deserve to smell fresh and look great in all the right places. And Manscaped is here to help. 
They've got the Lawnmower 3.0, a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost. The ceramic blade and skin safe technology is designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your fellas down low. It's waterproof, comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. They've got the Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on. It's a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. You can pluck eyebrows or trim nails in style. There's also the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. There's the Crop Reviver. It's a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. We won't judge you if you... We won't judge if we catch you sniffing yourself. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. The wait is over. A triple header of fun is upon us this week. Football's in effect, the NBA Finals are here, and the MLB playoffs are in full swing. You might go to some of these games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything. From game spreads, totals, to teams, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Before and more we get... importantly themselves also, you know, yes. that, and that's a big thing. A guy who's going to take the blame for when he makes mistakes, you know, and not throw a, throw a player under the bus. So you don't want somebody like Nick Saban. He <laughs> <laughs> dude's want a bunch of know, no, no, Yeah, You don't want somebody throwing their players. <laughs> under the... He doesn't really throw his players under the bus. Not all the time. But um, before we get to your, your, your famous or infamous list for the head coach, does Zion have a lot to play into this? Does he have a lot of say into who should be the head coach? Ollie. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so, without a doubt. I know he's just coming off a rookie season, but you know what? He's a given face of the franchise for the next 10 years or forever, how long he stays in New Orleans. And, you know, kind of heard behind the scenes that there was a little bit maybe unhappiness with a little bit of what Alvin Gentry was doing here or there. So I think you absolutely have to take into account of Zion, not only because of Zion, but you also have to think about the people that are around him. And so whatever they think, what they believe, Zion's going to tentatively believe. So they've got to all be on the same page. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's similar to the Kawhi Leonard situation, but you do. You have to appease the superstar. And let's face it, that's what he is. So I'm going to jump right at a guy that I've been touting kind of from day one, Kenny Atkinson. I feel like there's two ways a coach can make an impact as soon as he walks in the door and grab that uh, accountability, that that kind of buy-in that David Griffin's looking for. It's with your resume, with what you've done, like, say, a Doc Rivers, or maybe even a Jerry Stackhouse, because everybody knows who plays basketball, who Jerry Stackhouse was. Or you do it through, as soon as you walk in the door, you show it through your work, your commitment, and, and your discipline, everything that you exude. And I feel like Kenny Atkinson does that. There are so many examples of what he's done with his players behind the scenes and developing them on how he's held them accountable. Um, I wrote on extensively over 2,000, 3,000 words, whatever it was. But look, Kenny will work with a player so hard, so diligently that they end up singing his praises. And you saw it with his stops in Brooklyn when he was assistant in Atlanta, uh, even going back to Mike D'Antoni days when he was with the Knicks. 
So I think that is a, just a great sign. That, that, Like I said, that is something that this team absolutely needs. So, yeah, Kenny tops my list. I'm a big fan of Jerry Stackhouse as well. And then you've got to look at a lot of these assistants, right? I think that they deserve a shot because I think they're legitimate coaches. I think David Vanterpool is a very underrated coach. We've been touting him a lot, but he's right there along with the Darvin Hams, who I feel like deserve a chance. They have proven it in all their stops. They have such a wealth of experience. But Vanterpool stands out because he's got, you know, a lot of international experience. He has basically led these young, dynamic point guard groups like the Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum tandem in Portland. I feel like that's what the Pelicans need. You look at where their weaknesses are. You want to find a coach that can basically address them. And so with the Pelicans, Lonzo Ball, and whoever is going to be his running court or backcourt mate, whether it's Drew Holiday or somebody else. And then you've got to, like I said, get that buy-in from the whole team. They're so young. The core is well under 25. So you just need somebody that's going to basically grab their attention and, and basically make them work and, and hold them accountable to where you see that consistent effort every day. So I think it's just real easy, honestly. This is a real easy thing. Kevin? Or Garab, who wants to go next? Should I flip a coin? I like Kevin Rapid. Kevin can rap it because he, he – I mean, he loves – he's always going to tell you he loves Vanderpool. That's his one. And he probably – is this one and his two and his three most likely. And then Sharif, if you got somebody too. Uh, I'm going to let you guys go first. Kevin, you give me your list. Who do you like? Do you yeah. think Zion so should Vander- be involved in this whole process and his decision-making? Sure. I think Zion should have some say in it, and I think they should let him talk to the coaches um, that they're considering if they bring him in for interviews or whatever, or let him uh, reach out to players that have pl- played for those guys, that sort of thing. But I don't think his decision should be – I mean, I don't think he should be the end-all, be-all. Um, you know, it's nice to get his blessing, but I don't think he has to be the guy that is, okay, Zion's on board, so we got, we can hire this guy. I don't think you should hold your team and your plans hostage that way. Um but in terms of guys I like, obviously Vanderpool is number one. I like Sam Cassell a lot. Um, I think he's a guy that has all those things that you're looking for. He's an ex-player that everybody knows. Um, but he's also like paid his dues in the coaching tree. You know, he's been around for a while, play, doing a lot of roles in coaching. He's not like just straight out of the the league. You know, he's really put in the work. I like Stackhouse a lot. I like Kenny Atkinson. David Fisdale, I really like. Um and uh, I like guys like Wes Unsell Jr. I think he's a very good coach. Uh, but for me, I think my top two choices, obviously, are Vanderpool and Cassell, I would say. Um, I, and I also like a guy like Melvin Hunt. He's a guy that's been on sidelines for decades now, never got that shot at the head coach. He's been in a lot of different situations under a lot of really good coaches. He's coached a lot of really good players, and he's been on some also very young developing teams. Um, and I think he's a guy that never got a shot that deserves a shot. He sh- definitely should get a shot before a guy like Mark Jackson gets another shot, you know? So it, there, there's a lot of just great assistant coaches that right, right now is like, like you could, it'd be hard to miss on a coach right now. And I, I think that's what makes, uh, this, the, the, the firing of Alvin Gentry, like really good for this team's future, because there's just so much that it, it's just so hard to miss on a coach that's going to be solid for at least a few years you know david you know why i like these names that you're bringing up and everyone's bringing up right now it's they're not necessarily the big names because i don't think you really need a big name the the names you guys are bringing up so far are coaches and assistant coaches that have developed players throughout the years and they've done a good job as being assistant coaches and i feel like your list is probably just as good as ali and uh, and kevin's list 
Yeah, I mean, these are the names that we talk about a lot because as Kevin said, we all have like five, six, seven people that that we like because I believe our focus has been on the characteristics. It's not something where whoever walks into the room with the Pelicans says, this is my system. If whoever walks in like that, that to me, that would be you have to leave because my whole point is I want you to come in and tell me what are you going to do for the New Orleans Pelicans? Have you looked at my roster? Do you have a plan for Brandon Ingram? Do you have a plan for Zion Williamson? Do you have a plan for Lonzo Ball? And if you don't have those plans, I'm concerned because that I want someone who's going to tailor an adaptable thing. And that's when we, that's why Miami has been such the buzzword of the postseason is that we've talked about their ability to adapt from series to series, how they play, who they play, what they do. And that's what you want out of the Pelicans as a sustainable team. And as Kevin says, in a market where you're not going to get giant stars and you, you want to be consistent over the long haul, establish those principles and have somebody who can adapt and say, all right, if we've got Zion, then we play like this. If we're if Ingram's in a hot, we can do this. We can shift. But I don't want guys who have their players. And that was the thing with Alvin and, and bless his heart. We love, again, we love Alvin, but those times when players stood on the court and had no idea where they should be next, when players are standing out there and have no idea who they should be screening for. I want, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that there are a number of coaches who could do that. So, yeah, David Fisdale is one of those people I like. Kenny Atkinson, I'm certainly on board with. Emi Adoka, um, Dan That's Craig in Miami. You know, there are a lot of guys who have developed players and have earned that shot. And I think you can bring them in. You know, who was Greg Popovich before he was Greg Popovich? Who was Phil Jackson before he was Phil Jackson? You know, it's – it just takes that opportunity. Pat Riley was sitting at the radio desk for the Lakers when he became the head coach. So, I mean, it's it's not that you have to have a big name. You have to have the right person at the right time. And so I think saying, that there are a few guys out there who could be that guy. So you're saying we should put Joel Myers up there? <laughs> <laughs> Antonio might move over. Antonio yes. and Joel? What, that is the next one the heck? <laughs> You know, Ali, you tweeted out that list yesterday, uh, the the uh, bet online list of, of coaches on there. I see a few of them. We, we have not brought up Adrian Griffin. We know there was a story that came out about him. The ESPN put it out a couple months ago, the off-the-court issue. Do you like Adrian Griffin? Guys like um, Nate McMillan. I know he's a head coach. Udoka, you said his name, 76ers. What do you think about those You know, three names? Yeah, Yudoka, I like. David wrote up a good piece on him. I mean, how can you not like somebody that's stayed under Greg Popovich for a while now and, and learned basically the ins and outs of the Spurs system, which, you know, sadly, their, their playoff run finally came to an end. But, boy, was it ever impressive. So he's been a name, honestly, that's been around the circuit now for at least, what, four or five years. And he's, you know, interviewed for a lot of jobs, but he still hasn't broken through. But I prefer, like, say, him over a Nate McMillan. Um, you know, you see a Jeff Van Gundy even on the list. We've already talked about Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd, but there are a lot of retreads, and, and, and that does concern me. So I would prefer a go to some some fresh face, right? Grow with the team. If you want to grow a culture and you want to grow players, then why not grow the coach right along with them, right? As, as David said, it's scary if coach or whoever, whatever individual bring in has preconceived notions, ideas, and really is set in his ways. Now, I'm not saying that, say, a Doc Rivers or somebody is. But you know that most certainly probably wouldn't apply to some of these younger guys where they're amiable. Whereas an assistant, you're always having to basically change and deal with whoever's above you, around you, because you really kind of lower on that totem pole. So, yeah, I mean, 
I, I've said it basically numerous times. I have a guys that I top like three or four on my list. And there's a lot of guys I can be talked into, but there's only a few that I really don't want to see. And it's a lot of guys, like I said, the Mark Jackson, Jason kids, may even Nate McMillan, even though he's done a great job. I don't think they're the guys that are going to lead this team um, for the next four or five years to where we would see that growth. And I just want to see, basically, we haven't said it yet today. I want to see us take that step like Memphis Grizzlies enjoyed when they had Mike Conley, right, with um, Gasol, Mark Gasol, and, and Tony Allen, and they developed that incredible, I mean, incredible culture, right? Grit and grind. Who can forget it? So that that's key. You, you don't jump steps in the NBA. That's something even Alvin talked about every year. You know, they made the playoffs two years ago. But it, it didn't happen, right? The next step was supposed to be, hey, let's build some consistency. And, and they fell off a cliff. So that's what you want to see. You want to get to the playoffs, but then you want to stay at that level and keep building. Because you don't just all of a sudden become a championship contender. So, yeah, get a coach that can bring that in. I think a lot of these names are worthy of that. They can do the job. Kevin, I want to throw a name at you real quick. We talked about Mike Malone, how he holds his players accountable. Do you like Jordy Fernandez off his bench as assistant coach? I'm going to say, I'm going to honestly say, I don't know a lot about him. So um, I, I'm going to have to pass on that. I would say like I, but for the most part, I don't want retreads. The only guy that I would maybe consider as a retread is Dave Yeager um, also, because I think he is a very good coach. The only problem is the personality stuff and conflicting with front office stuff, which I don't think would work here as we already talked about with um, David Griffin sort of like, I mean, nobody even, talks about Trajan Langdon because David Griffin's always in front of the camera. So I don't think that would bode too well with a guy like Dave Yeager. Um, but I think what he's done, he's a guy like Mike Malone that sort of was having some success with a team as bad as the Kings. And then because of personality issues, again, was out of a job. But as far as uh, Jordy, I, I don't really know much about him. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass that on to someone else. Preston did uh, Jordy Fernandez article what this week, right? Just yesterday? Yeah. Did Preston to Jordy? Yeah. Yeah, about a week ago. Yeah, about, about a week, week ago. ago. Yeah. That's all right. So Preston Preston likes Jordy. Okay. All right. I'll just throw the name out there. I'm just throwing every single name I've heard in the last, I don't know, yeah, three it's, years. It's like we you know? all kind of divided up amongst ourselves and tried to, <laughs> tried to do our deepest thoughts on, a, like, you know, just a few. Preston is insane, though. Preston has done, like, what, how many on him? Jeez. Yeah, he's not yeah. like five, but you're right. He just did Jordy yesterday, and I've even lost track. Yeah, that's right Jordy's a lot, man. That's right a lot. Yeah, right a lot of stuff, man. We've done 12 coaches now. We've done yeah. 12. Yeah, so 12 different coaches on the site. So, folks, there's it's not like, you know, if people want to say that we, we're like any of us have these preconceived ideas against right. or, or somebody, we've been very, in all of our things, we point out the good and the bad of each one of these candidates. And I don't think any of us, has, has tried to be uh, anything other than fair-handed in trying to assess these candidates. Now, this is the one – the one thing with Doc is just that's me. Yeah, that's I'm fired up over that one. But it's not like I hate Doc. It's just that I just don't think he's right for this situation. So, But I think we, there are a number of really good candidates, and, I, and I'm, I'm more excited – if I'm the Pelicans and everybody wants them to act fast, they're, they're still out. There's a reason that – I mean, everybody's trying to figure this out, and I think that there are other issues – with the scheduling and free agency and all these things that are at play, why teams have not jumped on certain coaches already. There's, there's a lot going on that we don't know behind the scenes in the NBA offices that I think are slowing these transactions down. Let's do some quick rapid fire before this uh, show ends. It's been great. I mean, I, I like being oh, yeah, a host. We have to have you back, host. 
Yeah, man. Let me host. I don't really talk much. I like to ask questions and I, I, I like to listen and get information. So we'll do three quick rapid fire questions. We'll go with the most obvious one. Who will be the Pelicans head coach when it's all said and done? Grub, you go first. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I said rapid fire, David. Not like an hour long thought process here. No, I'm sorry. Like asking me is the worst on picky because I don't do that. I never pick. So I'll say Doc Rivers then. Oh my I'll God! You Doc. went against yourself. All right, yeah. Ali, who you got? I, I I hope Doc Rivers wants his job. I think that's what's probably going to hold it up. You know, there's more win now teams out there that he probably would want to jump on, like the Houston Rockets. But if it's not Doc, I'll say. Ali, we lost. You got to say it again. Lost. Say it again, Ali. Please. Say it again. I said, yeah. Can you guys hear me? I said, yeah. if it's not going to be Doc Rivers, you know, I think he may jump at a Houston Rockets or the Philly job, some team that's ready to win now. But if it's not Doc, then Kenny Atkinson. I really think that he's the guy we got to go with. All right, Kevin, who you got? I'm going to say Sam Cassell. Hmm. I like Sam Cassell, man. Like a winner him. as I a like player, him. as an assistant. He's been he's done a good job. I like Sam Cassell. Whew. I guess I have to make my pick. I will go. Because I feel like what's the most obvious is probably going to be the guy who's going to be the head coach. If it isn't Doc, I think it's Kenny Atkinson. I'm going to go with with Ali's pick, Kenny Atkinson, because I feel like that's a name that's been floated around, you know, the last few months or so. All right. Biggest like, acquisition mm-hmm. for the Pelicans, Grub. Do you feel like the Pelicans will grab someone or trade for someone this offseason? If so, who? I'm going to ask you some hard questions, man. I don't think that's they why, make man. a major trade in the offseason. I think they wait to see what the season looks like. I think they'll do some stuff around the edges. And um, I did an article about that today, about some things that they could do in free agency. But I think they wait to see what this team starts the season with a new coach because they want to give Drew that opportunity. I firmly believe the Pelicans want to see if he can work here. David Griffin wants to see that. If we're a third of the way of the season and it's not working, then I think you see a major shakeup by trade deadline. I wasn't asking about Drew Holiday, but that was that could have been a question. I could have asked you if they would have tra- if they were going to trade Drew Holiday this offseason or during the season. I mean, I, you got to my answer anyway. Ali, did they sign anyone big? Trade anyone? Holiday stays on this team? Does he get an extension? Loaded question. Go start talking. <laughs> okay, I I, th- I could actually foresee Drew getting traded this offseason, and I can see that actually influencing David Griffin on his hire as a head coach because I was out there. I think. Jay- Reddick's going to want to also leave. He's going to want to go to a competitive team that's going to win now. And I think with Drew walking, you know, leaving, I think that suddenly J.J. Reddick's eyes, a lot of his other teammates' eyes are going to say, hey, we're in for a little bit of a longer game here. So I could foresee um, happening because, let's face it, Drew Holiday, I don't think he fits here long term. I know that what he brings in the locker room, and we've talked about it extensively, but the bottom line is he's making 26, 27, 28 million. He's going to be due for a new contract. I don't think you can re-sign him for anywhere close to that money, given this roster, especially if Lonzo pans out or you want to bring in somebody else, big name, next to B.I. and Zion. So you, you contract on this on this roster. What you think, Kevin? Anything? Any major shakeups? Come on, throw, throw me a big curveball here. Give me a big name. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that J.J. and Drew will probably be traded this season, I think in the offseason as well. But I'll just to give you something different, I think that we will trade either Melly or Darius Miller plus second round picks, maybe a protected first to Cleveland for Larry Nance Jr. Wow, look at that. See, man, Kevin with the heat. 
Speaking of heat, final rapid question. Grub, who wins the NBA Finals? And Miami how many heat. games? Miami yes. Heat in six. Yes. Ali. Miami Heat in seven. Kevin? My tinfoil hat says the Lakers in six, but my heart and my head say the Heat in six. I think I know why everybody's picking the Heat here. Um, I'm going to go. No, no. I think, I mean, legitimately. Look, the things that that Miami does are the things that the Lakers don't do well. You know, like Bam Adebayo can guard Anthony Davis one-on-one. So uh, you don't have to worry about double teaming on the opposite, you know, sending a guard down to double on Anthony Davis. You go to the outside, they have enough shooters and enough guys who can break people off the dribble for Lakers defenders who are not great individual defenders. Very good team defenders, but the, they, you got Jimmy Butler who can take you off the dribble. Tyler Harrow can take you off the dribble. Goran Dragic can take you off the dribble. So they have enough guys. Even Andre Iguodala still at this stage can take slower guys who the Lakers have plenty of slow guys on the perimeter to off the dribble, they will get to the free throw line. They won't make stupid fouls and they won't be, they are certainly not intimidated by the Lakers. And Eric Spolster is going to do things that the Lakers have not seen before in this postseason. I'm going to go with Miami the Heat. Is great. I'm going with the Heat, dude. I'm, I'm with y'all. I'm going with the Heat. I mean, I just, I like the way they're playing. They're the hottest team right now. I mean, they play in the most consistent basketball on both ends. Then, I like Spolstra. I think I've said this 10 times on this podcast. I love Spolstra. I like the culture. I like what Pat Riley does. I like how he developed players, and I like the way they're playing going into this finals. That's just yeah, my t- opinion. Just, just think about that. Um, who in the, uh, go ahead, Al. I'm sorry. Now, I was going to say, just who in the Lakers is going to stay with and stick with the three-headed monster of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Goran Dragic? I mean, they don't have Avery Bradley. Rajon Rondo is, is good for maybe a possession or two to grab a steal, but he's not going to run around off screens of getting abused by Dragic, getting to the rim. Look, two great defenses, the Bucks and Boston, and they have great individual defenders. Lakers don't have that. So what are they going to do with just those three guys? And, and we're not even talking about Butler or Adebayo. They can do stuff offensively too. So I, I just think it's going to be too tall of a task for LeBron James. And they're deeper, and you're not talking about two days and three days off for travel and things like that. I think fatigue will absolutely set in. Um, because, you know, look, there were times against Denver that LeBron looked gassed. I mean, entire halves where he looked gassed. He put it on for games um, four and five and kind of ratcheted it up. But even game four was more like a half of a game where he played great basketball. So, I mean, I think the Heat have the ability because they do, they do go 10, 11 deep on some nights. And I will say this. I think there's going to be one game where Udonis Haslam either makes one play or has a night where he puts up like eight points or 10 points. There will be a Udonis Haslam night in this series. No, it's going to be a solemn. <laughs> I feel like this could be like say. a solo. Yeah. Solo. It could be like the a solo. It could be like the 04 series, man. Whenever the Pistons and what was it, Pistons and Spurs played, no one really yeah. gave Pistons a real shot and they won it in six games. I don't know. Say they wouldn't give them a real shot. I mean, that was a good team. But talking about Pistons Lakers, that was the Pistons Lakers yeah. in 04? Yeah, yeah. The Pistons Lakers. Well, what's we'll okay? The, the I would also say Pistons. with the Heat, um, they they not only have depth, they have a lot of variety and types of players, so they can throw out a lot of different sort of lineups and do a lot of different concepts. I mean, think about 
how Myers Leonard started the entire year and he can't get off the bench in the bubble. You have that guy sitting on a bench, a guy that they trusted to anchor their defense for most of the year that can also stretch the floor. And, and you know, you have Kelly Olenek, a, another stretch five, who's a great outside shooter that can create problems, drawing the interior defense, drawing Anthony Davis away from the basket to open that up for cutters. Then you got uh, Crowder, you know, Hill played well there. Even, you know, you have all these guys and that you can mix and match and create all sort of things that, you know, in game and from game to game to throw all different kinds of looks at the Lakers that they're not used to with other teams because other teams have more of a set of what they, what they've done. And that's one of the things that makes Spo such a good coach is that his in-game adjustments and his game to game adjustments are, are like incredible, you know, and I, I think he just has a lot of tools in his tool shed to be able to throw out there to, you know, and he's not going to be a guy that's so reactionary. He's going to make them adjust to what he, what he wants to do that night as well, which I think is a very good thing in coaching, which I always felt like we were very reactionary when, when we were uh, it, with the Pelicans for most of the tenure that, that we've had, especially under the name Pelicans, whether it was Monty Williams or Alvin Gentry, we let the other team dictate what was happening in the game. Whereas I think Spo is more aggressive and he dictates what happens. And I would, you, you take the top 10 players in the series. Yeah. You'd say the Lakers have the number one and number two, but three through 10 yeah. would all be on Miami because the Lakers third yeah, best player way, right now is Rajon Rondo. And way above, you know, like way above. I derailed an entire podcast just to talk about Eric Spolstra. <laughs> he deserves You're not the it, man. first He's... person to derail this podcast. Okay. I know. <laughs> I know, man. I just wanted to talk about Eric Spolstra. The guy who doesn't, I feel like doesn't get enough credit for developing players throughout his entire career. What an amazing job he's done. I mean, with, with, Duncan Robinson with Tyler Hero. I'm probably missing a lot of other names on that. Bam Adebayo. Good night, man. What kind of talent they've drafted over the years and he's developed. Josh Richardson, before he got traded, was looking to be, yeah. you know, Justice Winslow. I mean, and even, yeah. You know, they turned Justice even Winslow into a point that. guard. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And even beyond that, too. I mean, look yeah. at like, what he can get out of like sort of journeyman veterans when they come there, you know, like look at the year that Jay Crowder's having since he's gotten to Miami. And you look at like, if you can get a coach that's like that, which is why I'm so pro guys that have like developed from like video guys, scouts, stuff like that, and filled multiple roles that follow that model because we have, like I said, we're limited by the market we're in, but if we're a competitive team, we also have a um, a guy like Aaron Nelson who has a history of rehabilitating veterans with their that injury-prone veterans to turn them into serviceable players and giving them a whole second path of their career. Now, if you have a coach that can also take them and do stuff with them like like Spolster does with Jay Crowder and even Solomon Hill and Myers Leonard and and these and Goran Dragic, look at the year Goran Dragic is having. Um, you know, then you're really onto something. You can get those cheaper veteran free agents that are, you know, just want to be in the playoffs and want to be in the mix every year to fill out those empty spots on your roster. And and then you have leadership, you have experience, and um, you know, it's something that is more sustainable and projects you into that always being in the conversation every year, which you need to be if you want to survive as a small market team in the NBA. God, Kevin brings up a good point when he says a good video guy. I mean, that's where Griff started, right? With the Suns, was he? In a, it wasn't he in a video department with them. I mean, it's a and lot of he started the PR department. PR, PR department, but then he moved. There, but he did, then he moved into the video department. He did and, do video, 
Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of those guys, you know, Lawrence Frank, you know, yeah. who's now the vice president for the Clippers and um, who are they messing with? Um, you know, yeah, this, I mean, Mike Brown, who's, you know, uh, is now back in the market, too. I think his name is starting to circulate again, too. But yeah, so yeah man, I mean, Boyd Pierce, another guy like that, you know, the coach in Atlanta, he was like a scout and in from that side of the thing before he get, became a coach. And I think that's why they, Langdon is was a good match too, you know, to to go with Griffin because of that's why everybody and that's why Kevin in particular wanted Langdon as the top guy was that depth of experience across levels. And for the Pelicans, it's going to be vital if you don't have a coach who has a plan for the G League team and how they're going to operate, be in concert with that coach and that staff and developing players because that the G League is going to become so much more important to the entire NBA in the years going forward. And if you don't have an understanding of how to utilize your farm system, so to speak, I think, you know, that's, that's another thing with all the picks the Pelicans have with all the assets that they're going to be bringing on. And the fact that they are going, I think we're going to see more international players brought on both by the league and by the Pelicans in particular, which has not been a franchise that's drafted a ton of international players. That G league franchise is huge. So I want to see what the coach um, the next coach has is in store for that as well. Can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait till Eric Spolscher becomes a Pelicans coach. <laughs> <laughs> That's my pick, Eric Spolstra. Get it done, Griff. Now we're off the rails. Thank you, Sharif. <laughs> no problem. You yeah, want to win Spolstra. So, so we do have to thank you, Sharif, for, for joining us and, hand, and moderating our conversation. Uh, today we will yeah guys we're gonna have him back do we want to bring Sharif back is he in now is he a made man no Ali says yes yeah sure. yes. Kevin says yes. you're in. all right so you're in now so occasionally we'll bring you back probably hey let's you know last year we did our series on trades for Anthony Davis mm-hmm. and each one of us had to you know we all dissected our teams and, and options you know so maybe we can have Sharif come in and do part of those with us as yeah, we discuss man. possible Drew Holiday summer trades. Oh my God. It's got to catch me on my days off. Mondays, if we're not, the Saints aren't playing on Mondays, I'm usually off Sunday, Monday. And if they play on Monday, then I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday. If they play on Sunday, I'm off Monday, Tuesday. You get it. Whenever they play at home, I remember I'm the off schedule. The next days. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the schedule. <laughs> yes. Maybe we can get Dasani to be the sponsor when I do the, the, the guest hosting. <laughs> the best possible we couldn't do the whole show without mentioning Dasani. I know, man. <laughs> now it's know, officially derailed. When, when Sharif gets a little flustered with the play of the Pelicans, he starts tossing around the Dasani water bottles. But yes. But you know what? They went on a run because of that a few years ago. That went, That's when the run started. That's when right. I, like, when the Dasani bottles started coming out. Yep. That's when the, that's when the run the started. Dasani, so. Yep. Yep. You were with the Dasani every happening in the arena right here last year. Yeah. I'm going to get the Dasani bottles flying out here Sunday, man. Got to get the other team going. Got to get the Saints rolling. I'm going to have to throw the bottles around a little bit here. So. <laughs> Can you throw 15 yards down the <laughs> No, it doesn't have to be about that. Can 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 we not have flags in the secondary? Can we just, you know. No, I agree. We don't have to have flags. We don't have to give up big plays in the secondary. We don't need deep passes every time. A couple of games just to keep the defense honest from Breeze. Should be solid. The running game will be action. fine. Run yeah, play action. Get my boy 28 running the ball more. Latavius Murray running the rock. 
it just let's do that. All right, I've officially derailed the basketball to talk football. And people, that. people tune in for all kinds of shit. We talk about dogs. We talk about music. We talk about it. You know, yeah. Vet, yeah. You know, all kinds of random stories on this show. So, dude, you, yeah. you are not. It's all. Okay. All right, I yeah. just had to get that out there. They're better than one and two. Sorry about the Lions on Sunday. I'm going to call a big win for the Saints. <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> all right. Sorry, hey, before all we right. go, I just thought about this when we were when when uh, David was talking earlier about Jason Kidd. Is Jason Kidd the McNulty of the coaching candidates? <laughs> <laughs> Present day Nulty. McNulty. Yeah. He said, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You're talking about from the wire, from right? The wire. Yeah, that's yeah, what you're right. talking about from the yeah. wire, not Nick Nulty. Like, he, he might have oh. all the tools to be a great guy, but is he worth all the trouble and all the games that he's going to be playing? I don't think so. No. And I don't think people – like, I just don't think – I think people put more buzz on coaches than actually – because, look, Frank Vogel got the job with L.A. It didn't change anything for them. It, it It's it's – you know, it, it, it's always a crapshoot. It's always a crapshoot. And we'll see what happens. I'm not going to be mad either way unless they hire, like I said, one of these guys that we are definitely off on, like a Jason Kidd or Ty Lu. I think would be a bad fit too. But most of these guys, if it's one of the other groups, I don't think any of us would be mad. Right? I'm just worried. Just want a good coach, man. Just want a That's good coach that can, yeah. that, can, that can create a winning culture and get through to the players and have the players have, you know, Good seasons and productive seasons. Stay healthy and trade for Victor Oladipo. Freaking fight for something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But thank you so much, Sharif. Um, So I guess I will wrap it up. Ali, do you want to uh, sell anything on thebirdrights.com? Let anybody know what we got else coming up um, real soon. No, we're going to be fine. You you can free agency pieces, right? We're going to be tackling free agency, the draft coming up. Let's just hope that Griff. We can stop doing speculative pieces. Right. Kevin, you uh, have anything you want to close with? Not really. I'm I'm working on a music video right now with like this weird animation thing. So it's like out of my <laughs> normal realm. So I'm sort of expanding my horizons a little bit there. Um, so I'll let you know when that's out. It'll be out definitely by the middle of next month for sure. Uh, but um yeah, other than that, I'm not really working on basketball stuff other than this podcast. Um, I might get back to writing soon. Chris and I keep talking about doing something, but it just always keeps falling apart because different things happen and it sort of just cancels out what we were planning on doing. So I don't know. We'll we'll get back in the lab eventually and do something cool, maybe even a sequel to the movie that we wrote about Zion Williamson and Alvin Kamara as buddy cops, um, something like that maybe in the works, but we'll see. Hopefully this offseason inspires something for us to team up on and knock it out. Sharif, are you allowed to fly to Detroit? No. Uh, no, you know what? We could have gone, but it's you know it's not on our air. So the next time we hit we'll, – the only time I think we'll go on the road game for the regular season uh, is the Tampa Bay game in November, November 8th because it's on you NBC. You ain't even going basketball. to Atlanta? Uh, if we could, we may go to that game. I don't know. I don't even know that. When is that game in November? Yeah. That's part of the three game road trip when they uh-huh. go Atlanta, Denver, Philly. We yeah. may go to that game. We may go to that game because it's a drivable game. So we'll see. We'll see, man. If you want me to leave with closing thoughts, the Saints need to go on a winning streak. That's all Absolutely. I have to say. Pelicans need a higher to, coach. Uh, the Saints need to go on a winning streak. If the Saints can get to the halfway at, at four and four, five and three, I think they're all right. If they like it's survive Mike Thomas, you get there five and three. 
10 and 6, 11 and 5 is fine to get to the postseason. Uh, you know what, David? I'm going to have to. I'm going to derail this for just one second. They uh-huh. got to be better than four and four at the, at the eight game point. I know they're starting slow, but being the preseason hype and all the talent they have coming back over the last few years, they must be better than four and four at the halfway point. I, I, they got to be at least. Man, I'm crazy. They got to go on a five game winning streak. They got to at least win the next three games before they hit the. No, they got two. They got to. They got to beat the Lions. Got to beat the Chargers at home. Bye week. Got to beat the Panthers. Before they play the Bears in Chicago, they got to be four and two going to that game. Yeah, you go no at Chicago about at, it. at Tampa. That's a that's a tough back to back. Yes, yeah, absolutely. If they could be five and three, cool. Four and four, no. But they got to win the next three games. They got to they got to get it together, guys. Got to get it together in all on all three phases, special penalties. So thank you again thank to you. our special guests and um, to our regulars and to you for listening. This has been another edition of the bird calls make sure you check us out make sure you subscribe make sure you rate it and visit thebirdrights.com to check out all of our content you can also follow us on twitter at the bird rights and at the bird calls nola we'll have plenty of content coming very very soon until the next time let's go pills listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today